that as uh, followers and disciples of Jesus, we want to honor life, we want to support life in all of its uh, various forms. And Green Tree is launching a new ministry to that end. It's been kind of in the works for a little while now. Uh, and so this morning during our teaching time, we're going to actually have uh, a three-part sermon. Uh, don't panic, it will kind of be the normal time frame. Uh, we're not going to hear three different sermons. They asked me in the worship uh, prayer time before the service, how long was my wrap-up? And I said, no more than about 40 minutes. Uh, but uh, we, will, we will honor your time. But here's what we want to do this morning. We want to look at, uh, in particular, uh, adoption. And we're going to look at that from a, a little quick six, five, six-minute video. We'll see on the screen there are several families at Green Tree that uh, are involved in adoption. Uh, and then a friend of mine, Steve Durazio, Dr. Durazio, and his wife Maria have been at Green Tree for uh, three years, four years, or has it been three years? Uh, Steve is a cardiovascular, no, cardiothoracic surgeon, uh, which means he can take care of your heart or your lungs. So if you have any trouble with those, you can see him right after service, so he'll get you squared away. Uh, but Steve and Marie recently uh, adopted a little one. You'll see a little bit of that, a tiny bit of that on the screen. But I asked Steve if he would come and tell his story from the perspective of the adopter. Uh, so often our focus is on, you know, a little one who is coming into a family, and yet there's a, a heart uh, transformation that happens in the one who adopts, the ones who adopt. So Steve is going to take uh, about 20 minutes to share that, and then I'm going to come back and do a little wrap-up at the end for about, about five or six minutes. So kind of three parts this morning. We'll start off, if you'd watch the screen, we'll get going. When Marie first came to me with the with with, with the concept of adoption, I was not interested at all. You know, for Marie and I, we, we never would have considered adoption had it not been for, uh, you know, an example that we saw. And even with that example, the thought of adoption was was pretty intimidating. You know, watching somebody that you know and trust go through the process and you can kind of experience it through them and say, well, that's not, you know, it's hard, but it's doable. And, um, you know, they'll help us uh, through it. It took a lot of the, the, the fear away um, going through the process and the anxiety. She has been such a tremendous blessing since day one. And, you know, and it was funny when people talk about, you know, giving birth or doing, there's really no difference. When God has called you to that child, um, first moment I held her, I knew she was ours. And I knew the circle was closed. Yes, it's a sacrifice and it's scary and it's a huge step of faith, but the benefits far out and the blessings far outweigh any of the, the fear and the inconveniences and the, the hoops you have to jump through, you know, <laughs> depending on whether it's in another country or even in our country. And the one day when we got to the orphanage and they bring him in for you, and he saw Marie and he ran across the room to her. Oh, oh. Does he use any English yet? A few words, yeah. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. You know, 
wonderful for doing this or that or that and I'm like you, you don't understand yeah it's I get so I get more. so much more out right. of it right. than I get there is truly no greater love and it's not has nothing to do with biology I mean that child it's like he's like a um, like he's a magnet that draws the family together you know we have around the kitchen table and we were sitting around the kitchen table with all of us um, now five because we're at least four and, uh, you know, right before we had dinner, we all joined hands, and I almost couldn't talk. Uh, it was wonderful. So how are you feeling? <laughs> um, excited. Nervous. A little nervous? Nervous. Yeah. But yeah, excited. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm sad that I can't be there, but I'm so excited to see it over. Amazing technology. Congratulations. Yeah. Awesome. All right, we're almost, it's almost time. And there's a tremendous need. I mean, there are mm -hmm. literally hundreds of thousands of kids across the across the planet that, that need a baby. We have to have a know, know that there's a way to care for all of God's children, mm -hmm. no matter where they are. Yeah. That's right. Well, that was, a, that was a great video. Um, it, it brings tears to my eyes to watch some of those images of our son uh, coming home. Uh, my name is Steve DeRazio, and my wife and I, Marie, um, just adopted Jace. We got back from Russia about five weeks ago, uh, and I feel privileged to, to be the, the one asked to, to share um, an adoption story. 
the distinction I guess that Marie and I have compared to other families that foster and adopt is that I mean we just completed it um, you know so recently um, so I'll just tell our story uh, as, as it happened to us um, Marie and I uh, will be married 22 years in August uh, we got married in Quincy uh, Quincy Kyle's Chapel in Quincy Illinois Marie's from and um, that was in 1991 by October 1992 uh, our son Nick was born and 16 months later, our daughter Celeste was born. And so there we were, healthy boy, healthy girl. We've, we said we're done. I mean, that's our family. Um, you know, and I was a little bit selfishly looking forward to the future when I knew these kids would grow up and move out. Uh, and I thought, <laughs> you know, we'll still be young enough to do maybe move, travel, who knows. Um, so flash forward to about three and a half years ago, um, and my plan was working perfectly. Uh, kids were getting ready to finish high school, getting ready to go off to college. Um, we had become very good friends with Andy and Jennifer Bennis, and many of you know uh, that they've adopted actually two children from Russia. Um, but as they were considering their first adoption, we, we watched them go through the process of um, considering if that's what God wanted them to do. They prayed about it, um, you know, thought about it. Um, and uh, we just kind of watched them go through that. I thought I was watching from a safe distance. <laughs> uh, and uh, I think as they were going through that process, at some point, Marie and Jennifer, who've been friends for a long, long time, uh, had a conversation about adoption. And I, and I, think, uh, I think Jennifer suggested to Marie, what, would you guys consider being adoptive parents? And so Marie came to me and, and asked me, what do you think of the idea of adoption? And I I think it was, I mentioned it on the video, I mean, I, I quite literally said to her, that's a terrible idea, you know, that's a, uh, why, why would we do that? Uh, I'm almost 50 years old, our kids are about to leave, they're going to have, we're going to have the house to ourselves, you know, it's, uh, it takes a lot of energy to raise a kid, and it's expensive, I mean, why, why would we do that? Um, and in her wisdom, she let it go, um, but she had planted her seed uh, in, in me, um, when the Bennises brought Brock back, um, their son Brock back from Russia, um, Jennifer shared with Marie uh, a photograph of a boy um, that had particularly touched her, a boy from, from Brock's orphanage. Um, and I'll never forget this. We were out to dinner. Marie and I were out to dinner at, at Paul Mano's on Olive. Um, and Marie said, hey, you know, I want to talk to you about adoption. And I said, I don't want to talk about that. And she said, well, I want to show you a picture. Jennifer showed me a picture of a little boy. Um, a two-year-old boy from Brock's Orphanage, and this boy needs a mom and a dad. And, man, I just, I did not want to look at that picture. And, and the reason was that it's, it's one thing to talk about adoption in generalities and theoreticals and kind of hypotheticals, but uh, when you start talking about a specific kid, um, I mean, it's a totally different question. It's not, what do you think about adoption? It's, will you help this child? This kid needs a mom and a dad, like today. Um, so I reluctantly looked at this picture, of course, he's a very cute little boy, and uh, I left dinner kind of in a fog, um, but kind of feeling like this boulder had just kind of tipped over the edge of the hill, and it was starting to roll, and I felt like I wasn't going to be able to stop it. I literally drove down the street, down Olive, to um, Bible Study Fellowship, it was a Tuesday night, and um, I, had, I had volunteered weeks before to work in the children's ministry that night. And I, f I found myself standing in the middle of a room with like 15 four-year-olds all around me. Um, 
I got to I got to say that I I know I know some people that seem like not seem like they do I think have a real connection with God and what God's will is for them in their life. I think they sense very acutely what it is that God wants them to do. I'm just I'm not one of those kind of people. I struggle uh, with feeling and hearing and sensing, you know, exactly what God's plan is for me. But uh, but that night I felt like God picked me up and put me down in front of a road of adoption, and and pointed down the road and said, "Go there. That's that's where I want you to go." Uh, Marie was already standing there, so. Uh, you know, off, off we went. Um, you know, as it turns out, for, 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 for many reasons, the boy that, um, the picture that we saw, that, that, just, that just didn't work out. Um, but, we, but we were committed to adoption at that point, and we, and we pursued it. We contacted Bethany Christian Services, um, and really over eight or nine months just filled out um, just reams of paperwork and got fingerprinted and checked by the FBI and the CIA and who knows, KGB, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Um, and then Bethany said, um, just go home and wait. We'll call you when we have a referral. And so we waited one month, two months, three months. Um, I think it was about six months. You begin to think that they've forgotten about you. And I'm like, man, I'm, I'm not getting any younger. You know, you give us a referral. Uh, and we finally got one. Um, and they sent us five still photographs and about two typewritten pages of medical information uh, on this two-year-old, then two-year-old boy. Um, and the information, I, I mean, to be, to be honest, was, was really kind of scary. I mean, um, this boy had problems, uh, physical problems. He had, um, on paper, um, really potentially some pretty devastating, uh, you know, mental problems. And I, I was concerned at, at our age, you know, I didn't want to be 70 years old in a position where I had to take care of an adult man that couldn't take care of himself. I, I just didn't think that that was going to be in the best interest of Marie and I, or a child, um, and so I was really kind of scared with the information they sent. Um, we, we got a pediatrician from Cardinal Glennon Hospital to help us, Dr. Ladage, and I showed her all this stuff. I said, what do you think? She, she's got a lot of experience kind of deciphering this, this uh, kind of this information that can be uh, really confusing and conflicting. Um, we spent a couple of really long phone conversations uh, you know, on the phone with her, and, and ultimately I said, look, Dr. Ladage, I just got one question for you. Um, do you think, based on what you see here, that this boy could grow up and take care of himself? I fully expected her to say, I don't know, because I couldn't tell. But she didn't say, I don't know. She said, yes. So I looked at Marie, and I said, well, I guess we'll just have to go meet him. And it was a, a giant leap of faith for Marie and I. We did not know what we were going to find. Um, we flew to Russia, literally the other side of the planet, and we were sitting in this orphanage in Krasnyarsk, Russia, um, talking to the orphanage doctor. And you know, without announcement or fanfare, one of the caregivers had walked Jace into the room. Um, we saw the doctor kind of looking behind us, and we stood up and turned around, and there he was. Within five minutes, he was sitting on Marie's lap, and all the f we could just tell. I mean, he wasn't anything like they made him seem like. Uh, on, on the stuff they'd sent us. And all the fears that I had um, just kind of melted away. And, and, and quite literally, within five minutes, Marie and I looked at each other and said, that's going to be our son. And um, so we left. That was in June. Uh, we left uh, 
we left. Maybe we could put the first uh, slide up here. Um, this is a photograph I took from the uh, from our apartment in Krasnyar. This is a sunrise, actually taken right before our court date. Um, we can go to the next slide. This is our first visit uh, that I just described, um, and there he is. I mean, that's how he looked when we first met him. Um, maybe next one. This picture is just brings back so many memories to me. This is the gate. This is the gate that, that you have to drive through to get to the orphanage. It actually only shows half the gate. There's another half to it. They swing open to let the cars in and out. Um, one day we left this orphanage, and we were on the other side of the gate where that guy is where you can see where he's walking. And we turned around, and, and there was about 15 boys, just like Jace, and their faces were all pressed in between the slots of the gate, just watching us walk away. I mean, it was, I wasn't allowed to take a picture of it. They won't let you take pictures of other kids, but I mean, it just impressed on me the need. I mean, these kids, they need moms and dads, and they, that, they don't know, they don't barely even know it, but they're, they're kind of like trapped in this orphanage. Um, it's, uh, it was quite an image. We can go to the next one. <laughs> now, my hope was that we could complete a Siberian adoption without actually experiencing a Siberian winter. That was not to be. Um, we came back in June after meeting Jace for the first time, went through another round of paperwork. We thought we'd be back in two months for our court date. Two months turned into three months. Three months turned into four months. Um, so now it's November. So it's starting to get cold, really cold. Um, this picture just reminds me to mention that, uh, you know, you don't have to actually be an adopting parent to help with adoption. Um, I mean, Andy and Jennifer lent us these hats. They had used them when they traveled to Russia. Um, but this picture was taken at one of our small community group uh, meetings. We meet every other Sunday. Um, that group prayed with us that night. Um, and, and on another night before our, our third trip. Um, just super comforting to know that we had a group of people that knew us and cared about us uh, and were praying for us, not only that night, but you know, as we traveled. Um, so we went back for our court date in November. Uh, you would think that um, an adoption court would be a kind of a happy time, like uh, you're adopting a kid, it's a, it's a nice thing, but it's not that way at all. It was very kind of tense. I felt like I committed a crime or something and um, it took about an hour and a half. Um, but the one thing I remember most about that court session was uh, one of the social workers stood up and testified that, you know, she had observed us with uh, Marie and I with Jace. And um, she said, you know, we've, I've never seen Jace laugh so much than when he's with these two. I mean, just think about that if you're a parent. What, what do you want from your child more than anything? You want your kid to love you. If, you're, if your kid wraps their arms around your neck and says, I love you, Mom, I love you, Dad, that's it. I mean, that's, that's, that's everything. Um, and to hear from somebody that uh, she saw our child, that child loving us, it really made Marie and I feel good. Um, and, and even though I thought the judge's face was going to crack, she, she smiled just a little bit. Uh, and she did grant us our adoption. We came back um, to the United States uh, for a mandatory 30-day waiting period. And, uh, and then we went back. It was December. We went back uh, for our final trip. And we can go to the next slide. This is, um, this is actually on our second trip, I think. Uh, it was amazing how much he grew in four months. I just, 
I couldn't believe it. He was already starting to be a, a different kid. Um, maybe next slide. Um, this is a, a coat that we, we tried on. We had bought for him. We wanted to make sure we had the right clothes for him because it was getting pretty cold. And then next one this is just Jason and I playing in the, in the orphanage. Um, we went back to the orphanage on December 7th, 2012. Marie put that coat, his winter outfit that she had bought on him. And I think you saw the clip at the beginning of the video. Uh, he said goodbye to his orphanage uh, friends and his caregivers. And Marie picked him up and carried him out. It was, uh, it was just one of those moments in my life that I'll just never forget. Just a turning point for, for all of us. Um, flew back to Moscow, went to the embassy, um, did our final round of paperwork, got on a plane in Moscow for a 10-hour flight to JFK. Um, they told us at the American Embassy in Moscow that when Jace touched American soil, he would be an American citizen. And... Uh, as the, as the plane kind of drifted down toward the runway at JFK, and as the wheels hit, hit the ground, I was just looking at him, and I just, I just felt this wave of, uh, of safeness, like he's ours now. Um, and, uh, and that would only be magnified just two, two weeks later when you know, the Russian government shut the door, unfortunately, on, on Americans for, for Russian adoption. Um, we had a great Christmas. Uh, our kids came home, our 20-year-old our, our son, our 19-year-old daughter, it was, the timing was perfect. They came home um, from college, and, uh, uh, you know, it was wonderful. Um, we, you know, what do you expect your college kids to do when they come home from college? I mean, they, they're going to eat, they sleep, and then they leave. They go out with their friends. I mean, that's what they do. They didn't do that. Nick and Celeste didn't leave the house, and it wasn't because of me and Marie. It was because of Jay's. And like I said in the video, it was like he's his magnet that just drew our family together. It was just wonderful uh, and, 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 and continues to be wonderful. Um, that's it. That's, you know, that's at least the beginning of our adoption story. Um, and uh, I guess I can sum it up. I can sum it up like this. Jace uh, was an imperfect uh, child who did not do anything to earn or deserve adoption. And yet Marie and I sought him out in love. And as he loved us in return, he became an heir to the Durazio family. Um, that story should resonate with you. I mean, that's, all, that's, that's our adoption story, right? Um, I'm an imperfect man. Uh, I did nothing to deserve um, or earn God's attention. But despite that, he sought me out. Um, and in faith, as I uh, as I turn my heart and my love toward God, I, I become his adopted son. I'm an heir in God's kingdom. I mean, the parallel is really, uh, really wonderful. You know, a lot of people ask me, why, you know, why on earth would you adopt? I mean, why would, why would a middle-aged couple who successfully raised two kids, um, you know, do that again? And I, and I think the primary answer is that just Marie and I were just trying to be obedient um, to what we thought God wanted us to do. Um, and, in, and in truth, uh, you know, when we really thought about it, we had so much joy uh, from raising Nick and Celeste. I mean, that parental love is so powerful. Um, and we thought, wow, we, we, we have an opportunity to experience that all over again um, with another child. So, uh, um, you know, we feel quite, quite blessed, uh, actually. 
um, to, to be able to do that again. Um, you can show the next slide. I'm going to show a couple of slides of our family. That's my daughter, Celeste, with, with Chase. This is around Christmas. And then the next one is my son, Nick, and Jace. And then finally, our, our, our first family Christmas picture together, the five of us. Uh, just a wonderful picture. Next slide is just, just if, if anyone, I, Marie and I kept a blog, a travel blog. If anyone's interested in, I mean, I flashed through that, 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 that adoption experience. Um, if, that's a travel blog that Marie and I kept, and, you're, and I would invite you to, to look that up if you want. Um, there's a lot more detail in there, some pictures, maybe to get a better um, idea of what the whole adoption experience is like. And then the final slide. Um, you know, I don't think anybody expects that everyone in this room is going to run out and adopt a kid tomorrow. Um, and, and, uh, but there's lots of ways, I think, that everybody can in some way, um, you know, participate in adoption. Uh, whether it's um, somebody who's previously adopted that mentors, um, I, I mentioned the small group praying, uh, praying for us, meals, fundraising. I mean, you can see all the, all the various ways. I mean, there's lots of ways to support, support adoption. Um, and um, I'm thankful to just perhaps be uh, someone to, to um, you know, raise awareness. So thanks for listening to the story. I'll take it. Yep, you're good. Thanks, Brian. Thanks. Whenever I prepare a sermon... Uh, I think about two things, uh, and they both have to do with takeaway. What's the, what's the application? What's the, what do we do with this? And um, I always think of it in two terms. One is the term of theological, which means uh, I want to learn something, and I want you to learn something from God's Word. Not my opinion, not man's ideas, but, but something that, that God has spoken to us that actually is embedded into our hearts. It, it doesn't mean that we haven't necessarily seen those verses before, studied those verses before, but, but in some way the Spirit of God takes that word and, and makes it uh, new or fresh or understandable to us. So there's a, an application of just knowing God through his word on a deeper plane. And then the second half is the, the practical. Now that I know this, so what? What difference does it make? And so uh, what I'd like to do for just a couple of minutes this morning is do a little bit of application to what Steve has said. Um, the story speaks for itself. Uh, I uh, tear up a little bit every time I hear it, and, and I've heard it a, a few times now because of what Steve said. It's just such an, an incredible picture uh, of God's love for us. And so the theological side of this morning, I, I want to give you a quote by John Piper. Chip actually put this in the worship notes this morning, as, uh, or this week as, as we were thinking about Sunday. And John Piper, who, who's an incredibly smart guy, uh, one of the most gifted preachers you'll ever hear, a uh, prolific writer and author. Uh, it's a, it's a modern-day Christian theologian. If you don't know him, you need to get to know him. He has a lot of work out there and, and uh, for the public to see. But Piper says this, the gospel is not a picture of adoption. Adoption is a picture of the gospel. Now, you got to kind of roll that around in your mind just a little bit because I think there are ways in which I could look at it and say, well, the gospel really shows us the adopting heart of God. Uh, it, it gives us a picture of that. But the flip side, I think what Piper's trying to get at is when we exhibit faith in Christ, and in this particular case through adoption, 
Uh, as Steve said, it was, a, it was a journey of faith. What happens is we see a clearer picture of God's love for us. When, when we follow God in faith, and you can apply that to any area of life. It doesn't have to be adoption. That just happens to be the topic of conversation this morning. But when you trust God, when you walk in faith and not by sight, when you say, Lord, I'm going to believe you and what you say in your word to be true, and I'm going to form my life around that, even when my circumstances don't necessarily look that way, even when if I just kind of step back and said, from a human perspective, I, I would really go this direction. When I, if I walk in faith, I should go this direction. I'm going to go this way because I trust you to be true. And I think Piper's words are... Um, Good for us to remember this morning and, and to, to consider and, and to dwell on and think of, uh, of the love that God has for his people. I'm going to actually read just a couple of verses out of Galatians. We'll put them on the, the screen for you. And, and Steve alluded to these just a moment ago. Paul is, is talking to the Galatians, and I've, I've preached on this. It's been several years since I've preached on this passage, but I've preached on it before. Paul is talking to a group of people who've forgotten that they're children of God. It's not that they're not disciples, it's not that they don't believe in Jesus, it's not that they've rejected the Christian faith, but they've gotten a little bit lost in the process. And they've gotten lost because they've replaced uh, the, the theology of adoption, they've replaced God's being gracious to them, God receiving them based on the merits of what Jesus did on the cross, and, and they've replaced it with their good works. They've replaced it with following the rules. And so Paul is confronting them. The book of Galatians is, is Paul confronting bad theology. And he's beginning to turn a corner and move towards the second half of the book. He's, and, and he says this. He says, when the, when the fullness of time had come, it, in, the, in modern English you would say, at just the right minute. You know, it's like watching a movie and the hero comes to the rescue just, just at the right second. When, when all seems to be lost, but then they're saved. But when the fullness of time had come, God did something. He sent his son born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law. That's you and that's me. So that we might receive adoption as sons. The word sons there is not meaning just men. It's meaning the privileged one, the one who becomes a full-fledged member of the family. And because you, you are those sons, because you are a full-fledged member of the family, God has sent the spirit of the son into our hearts, crying, Abba. Father, you're no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. It's interesting that, that Steve talked about what do you want as parents, and I, and I couldn't agree more with what he said. You know, if your kids throw their arm around you and say, I love you, and, and hug you and appreciate you, and then the next sentence isn't, and by the way, can I have $20, if it, if it really is out of pure motives, if it really is out of relationship, you know, you're like, you know, if I get hit by a bus right now, it's fine. <laughs> that's, that's the pinnacle of parenting. And that Abba Father phrase is, is one of a disciple, you know, kind of seeing what's happened to their spirit and their soul and understanding that they've been born again through the grace of God in Christ and climbing up into mom or dad's lap and just throwing their arms around them and telling them how much they love them. It's the disciple saying to God, I love you. I'm so thankful for you. I can't believe that I get to be a member of your family. We, uh, we talk about Sunday mornings in terms of a worship service, and I understand what's behind that, but I, but I don't like the word service because that's a slave. Slave has to serve. I, I think we should call it a worship celebration. 
We could even call it an adoption celebration. That's what we do on Sundays. We come to be reminded when you gather together in your community group and you pray for one another, when you open up your Bible and you're reading your Bible, and I'm reading my Bible by myself, just sitting alone when you're teaching a kid's Sunday school class, when you're sharing a sermon, when you're listening to a sermon, in all of those contexts, we are being reminded that we celebrate that we're sons and daughters of the living God. And because of that, we're an heir. In other words, our future is secure. So what do you do with that? That's the theological truth. You go and you live your life accordingly. So this morning, we happen to be talking about all God's children. We've been talking about this ministry at Green Tree Community Church. And um, in, in their words, the leadership of, of this kind of new fledgling beginning ministry has said that really their goal is this, to provide opportunities for people to learn about foster care and adoption and to help meet the needs of foster and adoptive families in our church. I, I like that because it's, it's shortness to the point. <laughs> If God's moved in your heart this morning through what Steve has said, through maybe the video you saw, um, and you're thinking, wow, you know, we're, we're 50 years old too. We're young enough to do this. <laughs> I really appreciated that part of it. Um, if you're thinking that might be a way in which God's tapping us on the shoulder, go find Steve after the service. Go to the website. Stop by the table. Get some information. Maybe the application for you this morning is you're supposed to become adoptive parent or adoptive parents. It may be that, that God's calling you to be a stopgap for someone in the foster care ministry. It may be that it's God calling you to say, you know what, uh, our community group wants to be a group that is called upon in, in times when folks are going through adoption and it's real busy and there's a lot going on and they just need some meals. And that's a way we can serve and we can provide. But take the theology of adoption. Take the truth that's found in Scripture. And every one of us can have a role to play in um, as Steve said, knowing what Jace is going to get now, <laughs> knowing what he's going to see in terms of the love of God through Christ. I think that as adopted sons and daughters, because every, every one of us, if we're disciples of Jesus, is adopted. None of us are natural children. <laughs> to, be, to be a natural child would, would have been to be perfect and never to have sinned and to, to be in relationship with God on our own merit. We're not. Every one of us has been adopted into the family of God. So may we pray carefully uh, and with, with open hands that God would use this message this morning to allow us as a congregation to continue uh, to have an impact on the lives of children and, and to allow our lives to be impacted by those experiences uh, that others would know this God who brings sons and daughters into his family through the Lord Jesus. Let's pray together. All right, thank you for uh, the stories of adoption, and the, not just the Durazios, but others at Green Tree. Lord, it seems like since the very beginning of Green Tree, there have been families that have been involved in adoption, have been involved in, in foster care. Father, I thank you that you are a God of life, that when Jesus came to this earth, he came, and in his own words, I've, I've come to bring abundant life. He, he looked at uh, a man who had sought him out with questions, and he said to me, you must be born again. He talked, he talked in terms of having new life. So, Father, I pray that whatever our role might be as individuals or as a church, that we would live out our adoption, that we would live out the grace in which we stand. And perhaps, Lord, this morning you are tapping some of us on the shoulder to, to be very practically involved in that. And if so, Lord, give us the faith to trust you and to, to hear your call. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the gift of life you have given us. We pray that we would be faithful 
uh, in the, our time, in our generation, in our lives, however you call us, to share that life with others. We pray in your name. Amen.